Salut, Lauren. Salut, Dila. I'm Lila Roker, a journalist and media specialist living in Paris. And I'm Lauren Williams, a journalist and audio producer based in New York. And you're listening to Cross Culture. Before we get into this episode, we would like to give a little trigger warning for anyone sensitive to discussions around eating disorders and self-harm. We're not getting into any explicit details, but we like to make sure all cross-culture listeners feel comfortable and have the best listening experience possible. Our IG Live last week was so cute. If you haven't checked it out yet, we did an IG Live with my dad about the show, and it was really fun. If this is the first episode you're tuning into, you can watch our IG Live on Instagram or TikTok to learn more about our stories, how we met, and upcoming episode topics for the future. Yes, it was so much fun talking about our project and that format. It was a really good time, so definitely check it out um, and let us know what you think. If you watch it or if you listen to the podcast, we'd love to hear from you and want to interact with more of you. But Leela, besides that, what have you been getting into? Actually, I was kind of searching for something to do as like my New Year's resolution or just something that makes me feel like I'm achieving some sort of self-improvement. So I signed up for ClassPass and it's actually like kind of the shit. For anyone who doesn't know, it's um, a subscription-based gym membership, well, gym type membership where you pay a certain amount every month and then you get credits and you can use those credits for um, participating gyms or classes, kind of like Soul Cycle, or um, here we can do it with Le Cirque, which is kind of like um, the US version of Rumble. So there's a lot of different options, even spa packages, which I didn't know, which is really cool. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah, like you can get a wax with your points. So I'm like, that's cool. It's really fun. My goal right now is to do one class a week. And then I try to do the gym two to three times for the rest of the week. How? Um, how? <laughs> how do people do this? I cannot figure it out. I feel like that just means that you're like mentally sound. Like I feel like the girlies do this like... <laughs> we're all like fighting for our lives we're like i can't do it. like it's just i my biggest tip is i mean i don't know if people are morning people but for me like i just i need to almost do it before my body's even aware of what i'm doing like i just it's the first thing i do in the morning so that way the rest of the day is just easy actually the first class i did with class pass was the first class i did since covid which is absolutely crazy because it's 2024 so it's been almost four years um and it was it was really great uh I think I just was a little bit intimidated like I feel like a lot of people have been um with COVID just I think we're all now just kind of getting our groove back like in the end of 2023 everything felt kind of back to normal Mm. um but for me I just was like I was I felt like I had really built up stamina in the gym and I was just kind of afraid of like going to a class and like I couldn't keep up or I can't follow or you're just like bent over like just gasping for air like I was like this would be so embarrassing but it was really good um I kind of did myself dirty I'm not gonna lie I chose a 7 45 a.m workout boxing class which 
Then I later learned it was a HIT circuit training class. So as in half of the class is strength training with weights and you're like on the ground, like doing burpees. And then the other, like it's like 30 seconds of straight exercise and then it goes into another exercise. So you have like a circuit of four, but it was nice. The instructor was really nice, um, but you had to like keep moving the entire time, which was like really intense. I'm going to do it again, but my thighs, dude, I literally like... I was walking strangely for like four days and then sorry this is TMI but like when I had to go to the bathroom I had to like grip the walls like, <laughs> and lower down so slowly like I was like this is so painful because like you do so much like you know high knees and you're just like moving a lot and I guess too like boxing since you're so rooted like you're kind of bringing some of the power from your legs so it was just it's intense, but it's good. That sounds kind of crazy. I might die if I tried it, but also it sounds good because I feel like the endorphins overload, like you feel so good afterwards. All right, uh, should we get into media of the week? Yes, so Lauren, what have you been consuming recently? So I've had a pretty dry week of media since the last time we spoke at least, but a little known fact about me is that I'm a huge animal rights advocate. Leela, did you know this about me? It makes sense because I know I know you're a vegetarian, but I didn't know that you're like that down for the animal. I mean, I'm down for the animals too, but like actively. No, I'm like animals are friends. Don't eat them, but I do care a lot about animal welfare, and especially wild animals. I've toned it down because of course no one really likes that person that's like, that steak probably had a family. <laughs> but that is maybe another podcast topic. There's a girl from my school who is that person, only like people have started blocking her because she like literally posts videos of like cows getting murdered and we're all like, hey, I opened my LinkedIn. I don't want to see this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is way too much. Um, but I was fired up this week, like your friend, after listening to the New York Times Sunday Long Read. The story was called The Whale Who Went AWOL, and it's amazing. It's all about this whale named Vladimir who um, is straddling this life between like domesticated pet, essentially, and wild animal. It was discovered that he worked in the Russian Navy, um, which is a little known fact that both the US and Russia use highly intelligent animals like whales and dolphins um, for military purposes, specifically with the Navy, which I did not know before. Anyways, it's a really fascinating tale about what do we do with these animals that are in between the human world and the natural world. Um, it's really sad, but I learned a lot. And there's a glimmer of hope because I feel like part of it too talks about how when we first started encountering whales, like we saw them as these beasts um, that needed to be conquered or like as these monsters. And now we recognize that they're highly intelligent animals with culture passed down through generations and they can communicate and they're really more like us than we could have ever imagined so highly recommend giving it a listen um it's called the whale who went awol i was actually gonna make a joke when you first said he was russian and named vladimir but like quite literally i'm sure he was named for vladimir putin <laughs> literally and lastly i have been listening to nina simone's just in time on repeat like running it back running it back running it back 
just in time for Valentine's Day. It's a super lovey-dovey song, and I've been jamming to it. Just in time You found me just in time Before you came, my time I just love it. Um, how about you, Lila? What are you listening to, reading, watching? I am still kind of in my binge era, much like you and your Survivor beat. <laughs> but sadly, it's hard to find many shows that have 40 seasons like Survivor. So I've been yeah. kind of show hopping. Um, and right now I'm on Jane the Virgin, which is obviously an oldie, but a goodie. And I never finished it, so... Mm. I'm very excited. Um, but it was really interesting to rewatch because I totally forgot the show came out in like 2014, 2015. Um, and I think I just lost the thread, you know, when it was coming out. Like since it was a telenovela, there were so many twists and turns. It was kind of hard to remember from season to season. Um, and like if you missed a few episodes, like it just took forever. So anyway, now it's like really nice to kind of keep the the pace going so I can kind of just like binge it and I remember everything um but for anyone who hasn't watched it it's very meta it's very self-aware and a lot of the episodes are kind of like loosely inspired by certain genres or directors um and it's really cool and fun um if you're into very dramatic plots and plot twists I want to watch it again like you I started back in the day and then stopped but I do remember really liking it, so I should start it back up. Exactly. It's good writing, um, and it's it really gets your emotions going, I would say. Like, both sad, happy, like, you're crying tears of joy, crying tears of sadness. It's, it's really good. Then another, like, completely opposite genre. I had never seen, separating the art from the artist on this one, but somehow I never saw the Liam Neeson saga of Taken. <laughs> it was just funny because it popped up on my Netflix and it was like one of those things where it's like last day to watch is January 31st so I was like why not and I kind of got really into it I was like whoa so then I watched the second one the next night and it's I'm gonna watch the third one as well I mean it's very like you know action movie ish whereas there's like lots of fight scenes and whatever and the concept's very simple like his daughter gets taken and fights her um but yeah it's really good and it did not disappoint if you let my daughter go now that'll be the end of it i will not look for you i will not pursue you but if you don't i will look for you i will find you and i will kill you i did not know that there were multiple movies i thought there was just one yeah i mean there probably didn't need to be but why not like the second one's pretty good i'd say and then the last thing i am in the process of reading or listening to i just started this on audible is the vanishing half um for real though like don't sleep on audible or audiobooks in general i think they can be such a welcomed respite from just like listening to music or just like constantly inundating yourself with information i feel like book reading is like a nice like it's like an experience of solitude almost because you're just like in that book you're not like thinking of 
I don't know, messaging someone back or whatever. And it really gives you like that same feeling of reading a book, but like you can listen to it while you're at the grocery store, like while you're on your walk or anywhere. So the book, I'm super late and I feel like everyone and their mother has already read this book. But for those who don't know, it's about twin sisters who grew up in the late 60s in a conservative southern town. There's kind of a specific interest in lightness um, and passing in this town. So it's basically about the two sisters' life experiences. One kind of claimed her blackness and the other one didn't kind of live because she could pass. She kind of lived more... um, a life on the other side, we could say. And then the last thing I highly recommend for anyone who's looking for something to do besides just being on your phone is downloading the NYT Games crossword puzzle. It is so much fun. I'm. This is not an ad for the NYT Games, although if you'd like to sponsor us, let us know. Please, it's so fun. So, Leela, going back to what you were saying at the top of the episode that you've been working out and trying these classes. Um, But for you, it's more of a health and fitness journey that really ties into what we're going to be talking about this week, Um, which wasn't even necessarily what we set out to cover. But just in our conversations in everyday life, we thought that this might be an interesting thing to bring on to the podcast. Definitely. And during our talk, you shared a term that I never really heard before, but it made a lot of sense to me because this has been something I've strived for for various periods, but I just didn't know what it was called. Um, And it was body neutrality. Would you mind uh, speaking to that a bit? For sure. So this is something that I learned about during my freshman year of college. It's about respecting your body for what it is, like a tool, a vehicle, something you move around, something you use to connect with others, to dance, to sing, to jump, to work. The idea is that you divorce aesthetics from your thoughts about your body and it's an effort to think of your body as what it is instead of what it should be or what it could be or what it was. To sum it up, it's about moving beyond desiring your body to be skinnier, curvier, thinner, taller, and just thinking of it as a neutral part of who you are, like your brain or your hands or your eyes. I think that's a great way to describe it. And I think this term is especially unique by its very idea of neutrality, because I think right now we see a lot of the two spectrums of either hyper-restrictive eating um, and finspo, which for people who don't know, it's like fit inspiration um, and challenges on social media about thigh gaps, leggings, body checking, Uh, But ultimately, however many times these trends are repackaged, it's rooted in the same idea of, quote, if your body can't do this, there's something wrong with your body or your body is lesser than, unquote. Um, And then you have the other extreme of body image, which is body positivity, where we're encouraged for absolute body acceptance. I think the overall discourse is better than it was, say, in the early 2000s. But I think back to the days of super problematic headlines of tabloids calling women whales and bikinis or like the famous Tyra bathing suit clip. I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Or the Britney Spears incident where everyone called her fat and she literally had ab lines at her VMAs performance. So I think as millennials, we're poised in an interesting position where we were brought up around some of this toxic body rhetoric, 
being normalized in tabloids. Um, shows like America's Next Top Model that picked apart women's appearances. And especially for anyone who had a Tumblr where eating disorders and self-cutting were basically glamorized. And now we're in this era where body positivity is more normalized. So I'm kind of curious, what do you think about it, Lauren? And do you feel like we've made real shifts or are we still in kind of the same position we were, say, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? I definitely think we've made a shift, absolutely, but I think that a lot of it is more of a band-aid than really dealing with the implications of what the 90s and early 2000s did to us as a society. I think, like you were saying before, it's almost like one extreme to another, but we can't really, or we haven't really been able to talk about and dissect how these ideas around being thin or constantly needing to lose weight have actually done to us as people, has done to our souls, to our spirits, and to our culture more generally. But another thing I think is really interesting is that the body positivity movement isn't as recent as some people would believe. So Leela, I needed some research ahead of our recording this episode, so would you like to share what you learned with us? Yes, so since we're doing an episode on body image, I thought why not get into the origins of body positivity and body negativity or normalized eating disorders in pop culture? So let's start with the body positivity. Apparently, the body positivity movement kicked off with the fat acceptance movement in 1969, as quoted by the BBC, a young engineer in New York named Bill Fabry, who was angry about the way the world was treating his wife, Joyce. So he gathered a small group of people and created the National Association to Aid Fat Americans, today known as the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance, or NAAFA, the world's longest-running fat rights organization. And then on the other side of the country, in California, feminists were banding together on behalf of this issue, um, and it just continued to grow. By the 1980s, enthusiasm for fat liberation was beginning to spread further across the globe. So at this time, it wasn't called the body positivity movement, but rather fat acceptance, which later translated to all body acceptance. So interestingly, the fat acceptance movement brings us to the body unacceptance movement, largely popularized by the internet. To add some additional context, this isn't to say that eating disorders didn't predate the internet. Obviously in the 80s, the emaciated look was coined to be high fashion, but here's kind of where this starts to tie in. In the 80s, supposedly Kate Moss for Calvin Klein was the tipping point for a new weight standard for adult women, according to Business Insider. Calvin Klein has since admitted this, but he claims in 1985, he used Kate Moss to popularize the waif look. Basically during this time was when cosmetic surgery became normalized. So a lot of women were enhancing their breasts and their butts. And he thought that that was an unattractive look. So he thought by hiring Kate Moss as his lead model at the time, he could kind of discourage people from selecting his brand because they'll assume that they won't be able to fit because they have too big of breasts or a butt. Then for editorial shoots, designers made their sample sizes smaller and smaller, forcing models to become thinner and thinner. And after some of these sizes got smaller and smaller, 
there was a global call to action to create legislation to prevent this unhealthy eating cycle. So certain areas like France, Italy, Spain, banned models deemed excessively thin and required a doctor to examine their BMI. The US and Denmark still don't have official legislation protecting this, but it's rather up to the companies to recognize the early warning signs of eating disorders and ask models to get help before returning to modeling. They're also required to provide healthy food and shoots at shows. So here's where it begins to tie in today's standards. In the early 2000s, the internet was one of the main places where body shaming was spread and accepted. Anonymity led to bullying. Now we're in 2024 and we definitely have more acceptance. Plus size fashion is more normalized. It's still not easy and we're still far from being a totally accepting society around body image. So that was a lot. Lauren, what do you think about all this? It's really interesting to hear the history. There are a lot of things I didn't know especially the Calvin Klein anecdote. I had no idea that he played such a big role in this. And I think when we think about high fashion and how these trends trickle down, it's funny to think about how this all started with a man. (laughs) Kidding, (laughs) kind of. But it's really fascinating how we've come full circle, at least on paper background, to the body positivity movement or the body acceptance movement. And it made me think about this interesting book I've been hearing about that just came out about fat phobia by Kate Mann. It's called Unshrinking. I think this is one side effect of fashion, culture, and media's praise of thin bodies that we don't talk about because it's kind of awkward. On one side, there's an obsession with being thin, getting thin, staying thin. And on the other, there's a real vilification of bigger bodies. We talk a lot about the side of like wanting to be thin or how beautiful and how perfect your life will be once you're small, but we don't talk about the other side of the coin. Her excerpt is really interesting too because beyond talking about the powers that be that have forced her ideas about acceptable body standards, she talks about how everyday women and girls have become and have acted as foot soldiers in carrying out these really harmful ideas. I love the paragraph I'm about to read, and as someone who's been naturally thin since childhood, it really opened my eyes to something that I hadn't thought of before. So in this portion of the story, she's talking about how she discovered she wasn't small like the other girls in her class, and she also has suffered sexual abuse. But because so many girls in her class have gone along with the boys and claim that she's undesirable, she realizes a terrible thing. And I say undesirable in air quotes because this is what they are telling her. It's not actually true. As fat girls and women, we contend with the boys and men who judge us and find us wanting. We leave something to be desired and failing to be so, but there's a truth that remains, to me, just as painful. Girls and women play a crucial role in perpetuating sexual fat phobia, and they may not only internalize, but deliberately weaponize it in policing and pulling rank over other girls and women. Later in the piece, she goes on to say, at the age of 14, I'd already intuited an important piece of social knowledge. As a fat girl, I would be deemed not only unfuckable, but also unbelievable. I can't wait to read the whole book because she's touching on something really special here. The idea that how we view, judge, and shame bodies goes beyond self-esteem. It can turn into real harm. And to me, that was like 
mind-blowing. I had never seen it laid out so clearly how this is more than just a conversation about aesthetics. Definitely. I mean, that... I don't, like, I want to read the book too, but I feel like I'd have to have like a box of tissues next to me because I was on the other spectrum. So I was kind of like a naturally fat kid. And it's true. Like, I mean, you find that out very quick in your childhood because people tell you or um, you find out that all your friends, boys have crushes on, but like not you. And so I think that, like you said, she perfectly encapsulates that feeling. Um, and I think it's one of those kind of, uh, what's the word, inner childs that, inner children, like that very rarely get healed. Like I think if you speak to the majority of any kid who grew up fat, like they're always going to feel like their body is fat. Like they're always going to be, and it's crazy because like that's, you can have 10, 15, 20, 30 years of your body not being that way, but like that's how you see it. Um, so I think that was, like you said, a very beautiful yet painful passage. Now I'm, now I'm emotional. I but... know. <laughs> Me too. Like I'm literally like so happy we're doing this episode. <laughs> so I'm curious, Leela, as we're talking about this evolving landscape going from the early 2000s to now, what has been your relationship with your body and your body image and how is it different from when you were a child and how have those images that were kind of forced on us or like we were saying the women and girls around us what they say how has that affected you and where you are today so today i would say kind of like what i was just discussing with the class pass and everything like that like i feel like i'm in a better place now like with my body I think everyone can attest to like kind of going through ebbs and flows of your body image um but I feel more comfortable in my body I guess I would say Mm -hmm. for me it's been like very much up and down kind of like what we just talked about like I think from a very young age I was very aware of my body and like that was difficult um for a lot of kids too if you do have a naturally thin parent like I think it just makes it that much more difficult because Mm -hmm. kids will be like well why don't you look like your mom and like you think that like I would think like why don't I look like my mom um and I think I don't know I think that there for a lot of people there are lots of moments like I think of this awful moment in camp when everybody were like we had to be weighed i don't know why we were being weighed at camp. <laughs> it was sleepaway camp children. yeah but still maybe it was just to like be like this is proof that your kids are eating good or like i don't know but a kid like went to go see my weight and they were like oh my god you're over 100 pounds and i was like ah. <laughs> you're like i need a gun i was literally like ah, ah, this is so funny you're like, I'm actually wearing my backpack. Like, you don't know. Like, I'm actually- <laughs> Literally, I was like, my clothes are really heavy. So you must be embarrassed, even though it was a summer camp. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but yeah, no, it was really hard. And I think, like you said, like, I think it's actually kind of interesting because I just was speaking to my boyfriend about this. And I think mm. I'm kind of curious about in really thinking about this, how much of it is from like the quote-unquote patriarchy and how much of it is from other women or like an internalized patriarchal view because it is true that I now that I think about it like 
got boys and girls still made like in school um still made inappropriate comments on both sides but i feel like the real peer judgment came from women even if it was like you're trying to appeal to the male gaze you also want to simultaneously like show your female friends like oh i like most of these trends it's they're really geared towards women like guys don't really care if you have a thigh gap or or not um you're spitting right now yeah (laughs) no this is so true yeah and 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 sylvain asked me that and i was like you know that's true because he even said he was like the majority of my guy friends and i we don't talk about women's weight like you know who's big who's thin the only people who really bring that up a lot of times are women around us um and Mm -hmm. I was like wow so I think I don't know I don't know if it's out of competition you know like when you're younger you don't know how to manage your emotions you're all dating the same guys because you go to the same school I don't know what it is so kind of like with my journey like I think I I experienced disordered eating I was in the tumblr era Um, and I think I first started like creating anorexic habits around like 11 years old. So little. Yeah. Or maybe 12, but, um, yeah, it was pretty young. And then, you know, I didn't, I I stopped, like my mom found out and I stopped. And then Mm -hmm. it was the summer before ninth grade and I was going to go to a new school and I was like, I am going to reinvent myself. So I started... Mm -hmm. Um, becoming bulimic but I didn't even know that was bulimia and then yeah so I I only figured out I was bulimia when a eating disorder specialist came to our school to talk about because we went to school for acting like they had to do because so many kids so many girls were starving themselves to be to fit certain costumes or to get certain parts so that we had to have like a real conversation and so they were describing bulimia like and they were like it's not just when you throw up it can also be laxatives and I was like oh that's me (laughs) and so that was kind of like wow it lasted throughout my teenage years I would say and I think um, looking back on it now, it's true what they say, like in terms of bulimia, it really affects your emotions. I think if anything, like I probably was so off the wall, probably in part because my emotions were so up and down. Cause I was like sometimes completely mm-hmm. depleted. And then, you know, you binge after that, but it's actually kind of interesting because I, my, I think my relationship with food really healed after I moved to Paris. Um, yes. And I don't know what, yeah, like I think it's not because I believe it's true what people say in terms of um, Europe has better quality food and like you might not put on weight by eating the same amount. Um, And I think part of that was true, but I think a lot of it was just, I felt again, almost like reborn. I don't like not reborn, but like I had that new personality or new identity in high school. Mm -hmm. And then I had this new identity where you know, I was trying new things, hanging out with friends and whatever. And it got to a point where I was just like, so busy, I wasn't even really thinking about what I was eating. Um, and I was not restricting myself and it kind of balanced out. Um, mm. And so like, that was really amazing. Um, and then I think a lot of people don't talk about this. But after you graduate, like, I think your body also goes through some changes between the ages of like 21 and 25. Um, totally second puberty exactly and so that was super hard I felt super I hadn't felt that insecure in like such a long time because I was one of those people who gained a lot of weight during COVID I started taking Manjaro the summer of 2023 Um, I was like 
kind of skeptical of it, but I was like, you know, like, let's try. Um, and I'm doing it, um, as a short-term solution. Some people like just are like, I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life. But my goal is for that to be a short-term solution. Um, and it really did help me heal my relationship with food. I think during your life, you go through multiple ups and downs with, um, eating and and fitness because I think the hardest thing with fitness is like doing it to lose weight because it feels almost like more like a punishment when it it needs to be for just movement now I think it's a little bit more healed and it's closer to that body neutrality like you were saying like I still love fashion I still like um feeling good in the clothes I wear and I'm actually curious before you get into your um uh journey as well because I was even thinking just in what you were saying about the excerpt from the cut it's true Mm -hmm. that to this day like if I'm like looking in the mirror or whatever and I'm asking Sylvain or like a friend I'll be like do you think I gained weight but I never say like do you think I lost weight you know what I mean like and I think interesting that's really it just you know even though we are accepting and I think there's a lot more body positivity I think we can a lot of times have an internalized fat phobia about our own bodies. So I'm curious yeah. if you feel like that. If not, I don't know. Oh, I don't even know what to say. I'm just so grateful that you shared that. And I feel like so many people can relate. I also wish we were together so I could give you a huge hug. And I know that it's like so lame because you. it's like no one... It's like you say something and then someone's like, well, I never thought that. It's like, okay, but I did. That's all that matters. But I guess I just want to say like, you are such an amazing and stunning person. And like, when you walk into a room, the first thing that I know is about you, like you literally glow. I was like, I want to be this person's friend. So I, I'm getting emotional, <laughs> but it's, it's really true. Like your insides shine out. And that is the first thing that I noticed about you just how like positive and literally glowy you were. I'm like, I want to be around this person. So I don't know if that is any means anything, but after all of like what you said, but I think that I'm definitely not the only person that feels that way when you walk into a room or when they meet you. Um, it's not, you know, how you, how you look and, but also you're extremely stylish. So that's also something to notice when you walk into a room. Um, Thank you. Not me crying in the club. Like <laughs> I know me too. Like, damn. Um, as far as internalized feelings, definitely, definitely, definitely. And I think for me, I will get into this in my talking about it, but my goal of body neutrality is because it is like, it really is like extremely triggering for me. I don't know why. I think that there have been times in my life where absolutely it was coming from me. I think especially as someone who hasn't necessarily struggled with their weight more, it's just the inner feeling of how you feel. A lot of it was just projection because there was always someone, there's always going to be someone thinner or with a better quote unquote body, you know? So that's why I'm so obsessed with body neutrality. I think there's like a lot of research on this now too, especially as a young child, you view yourself as a part of your parent. Like you aren't a separate entity. You haven't done anything yet. You haven't like, they feed you, they house you, they take you everywhere. So like some of the negative thoughts or ideas I had about my body came from 
women around me like I think with my mom she never said anything negative to me about my body but she would sometimes say negative things about her body and I like internalized that as a kid so that was definitely like the beginnings of it for me and and I was a cheerleader for like most of my life um I did like competitive all-star cheer it's a great sport but I think it is such a physically demanding sport it also makes you hyper aware of your body and I remember being really little and we would wear these little like crop tops for competition and the coaches would always be like I see your poo bear belly because you're like little so you know little kids they like have a little snack belly and yes and i specifically remember a coach going around and like hitting our stomachs to make us like suck in and so that was also something that even if even though i wasn't overweight i was very aware of how i was holding my body for me more than a specific struggle it's just always i've always had a hyper awareness of my body i think that learning more about vegetarianism and veganism really helped me and have helped me in my ideas of body neutrality kind of thinking of yourself as one with the earth and one as nature and putting food into your body that helps you think rationally helps you move and do the things that you need to do because more than like even going through with like restricting i would think about it all the time like oh my i have a huge sweet tooth so like it's like wow i ate ice cream every single day this week but it's like you're a kid (laughs) that's okay you're a kid if you're a kid in the summer there's nothing to do it's hot like that's it's okay for me it was moving from that to peace with my body and having gratitude for it my journey with my body is just unlearning the things that were taught to me or the things that i heard or the traits that are important in the communities that I was in because, and I think that's just part of growing up too. Like I don't value those things and I don't have to. Again, reflecting on your passage because it just like blew my mind. I think even though like what I was saying, I think there's a lot of peer pressure. I do think that there's still a fair amount of like pressure, like from the male gaze to say. So like I know a lot of what I did was like to be found attractive by guys because like what she was saying like even though maybe guys would think you're pretty because everyone in like let's say your your grade your year whatever because the girls are like oh she's fat and then the guys are like yeah like then they don't want to like be with you or whatever and so like for me like that like that's part of probably the reason I think I went so hard for high school I was like I am considered so ugly in this middle school, so I am going to go, like, when I go to this high school, I'm going to be girly, because, like, I was, like, a tomboy in middle school. I was, like, I'm going to be girly. I'm going to be thin. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. Um, mm-hmm. And it was all, like, it was ridiculous. But anyway, I was curious if, um, I know you had a different experience, but if that was, if that had anything to do with it. Uh, definitely. A huge part of it. And like I was saying, too, like, going to literally all white schools like you want to do anything especially as a teen girl to like make sure that you're considered (laughs) you know or just to fit in and so I think that was a huge part of it spaces where lily white womanhood which is like wave thinness blonde hair like you want to do anything even if it's subconscious like I don't think 19 year old me would ever say that was why but subconsciously thinking back I do think that that was a part of it like just trying to make myself smaller yeah I think that that's 
even a part of whether it's like restricting or binging or shame around food, wanting to be, yes, physically smaller, but also I think it, there's some connection there to also for women also wanting to be smaller in our generally in our personhood like take up less space be less imposing be less the less space you take up the better but i also wanted to say that i think you are a beautiful person and i think you also have an incredible closet your jewelry is absolutely whimsical um (laughs) the things you can do with your hair are incredible (laughs) and you're just like a person who exudes intelligence and you bring so much and so I just think that you have such a unique perspective in this world and I'm happy to have you as my friend oh thank you sister what I think is so shocking is that we're also not alone in this evidence from 50 studies in 17 countries indicate that social media usage leads to eating disorders disordered eating and poor mental health it's really interesting I think that like a big thing that is missed when we talk about eating disorders in general is the mental health aspect. Eating disorders or having just body image issues in general, a lot of it is about control, right? Yes. So Lauren, I'm curious, obviously you mentioned that your goal is body neutrality, but what do you think about body positivity? I feel like it's a very polarizing topic in that people either think it promotes unhealthy body standards or people love it. I'm somewhere in the middle like I'm for body positivity in the sense that like everyone's body is fine like your body is your own business but for me the reason that I take the approach of neutrality is because I try and divorce how my body looks from my thoughts positive or negative like there will be days that you feel bad there will be days that you feel good so I feel like it makes the most sense for me at least to try and strike a natural balance and attitude of like who cares as long as I'm healthy and I try and think of other people that way too. I think the body positivity movement is good in theory and you should feel good about how your body looks but the thing is that's just not reality 100% of the time. So even if you're tiny or buff or whatever the standard is, there will always be someone who looks better by popular standards. It's kind of an exhausting practice to me. You're having to pick yourself back up over and over and over again. And I just don't think it makes sense to try and achieve happiness with your body 24-7. For example, instead of thinking, wow, she has a great body and so do I, I try and think she has a body and so do I. They're different. Neither is good and neither is bad. I totally agree. Um, And I... I think I'm kind of similar in that, that I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I think my thing is like, I'm all for the idea of creating healthier relationships with our bodies. Um, I just think it can be confused, the term body positivity, that like that means automatically unhealthy bodies. I think the most important thing is to diversify our definition of what a healthy body looks like because just because someone's over a size 12 doesn't mean that they're in perfectly good health and shape um and I don't think that that should be demonized so I also don't think it should be demonized if you're not in perfect health because there are some things beyond your control um but I think it should just really be kind of about widening our definition of healthy bodies and like you said I think another thing too is like kind of about acceptance I also think people should really keep in mind that you never really know where someone is on their journey 
And you should always take that into account before you, to take Lauren's saying, fix your lips to say something about someone else's body. All in all, I agree with you, Lila. Um, And this has been a really deep conversation, but I think it's been really interesting. And if someone's listening, wants to talk more about it, definitely reach out to us. I had a lot of fun talking about this, and I think that many people will relate. Absolutely. And um, I hope, if anything, this episode was just able to show people that you're not alone. But to leave things on a positive note, you can stream Jane the Virgin on Netflix. You can download NYT Crossword and you can just do things to enjoy your body and your mind and your life. Bisous. Bye. Bisous. A plus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cross Culture. It means so much to us that you've tuned in. If you have any questions or inquiries or comments or you just want to say hello, you can message us at crossxculture at gmail.com and we'll hit you back.